Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Rachel Downey. Rachel is the founder and CEO of Share Your Genius, an award-winning podcast production company with an innate ability to connect with humans first on all levels. Plus, her years of work in B2B marketing, live performance, and large-scale events, she and her team of strategic producers create brand shows that drive real engagement and impact. Rachel, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Thanks for having me, Brandy. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to talk to you. I had the pleasure of meeting you, I think that was two years ago now, um, at a, a women's conference out in Arizona. And I was so impressed with the information you had to share and it was so inspiring. So I am super excited to have you on the couch um, so that we can talk. Uh, but before we jump in to our main topic, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me what buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? So this is hard because it's a word that has to still exist, but I do think the buzzword around podcasting that needs to have a a definition change, we'll say, is downloads. Ah, yes. Uh, that one is confusing because I know when we started considering, you know, starting a podcast and there were all these numbers around downloads and I'm thinking, I'm like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I've never actually downloaded one. Who still downloads anything? And it was like way into the process where I actually got a definition and it was like, oh, we're not actually downloading anything. <laughs> well, and my my whole take on it is like, yeah, like from a technical technical perspective, 100%, it's a little bit confusing. But my my problem is that if you look up what is success in podcasting, 90% of the things you're going to read is going to tell you that it's downloads. And that is not true. And so I want to change the narrative around what it means to be successful in podcasting. And it starts with redefining how you think about downloads. Okay. I love when our buzzword can tie totally into our topic. Uh, so now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Well, I think we got to talk about um, honestly, the problem with podcasting and how people are viewing it and the best way to actually approach podcasting for your brand, whether it's your company or your personal. Awesome. And I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our conversation today. So tell me, what's your best hopes? What's your intention? My intention is that people walk away not feeling 
sort of the, the pressure to have the podcast because everyone else is having it, but they have the right perspective on how they can think about using this new medium. Okay, perfect. Um, so I'll start with a question that I hear all the time. Um, I'm in a number of CMO communities and other executive communities and, you know, podcasting's been around forever. Like I remember at one point, like blog talk radio and that sort of thing was like really big, all, you know, same thing, different names. And so a lot of people ask the question, because there are so many podcasts, is the podcast market oversaturated and that it shouldn't be a channel to be considered? Oh, gosh, Brandy. I'm shaking my head because I, I hate that line of thinking because it is so uh, wrong. <laughs> so like, and, and the reason it's wrong is this, is because every single brand, and especially if you're talking about a CMO audience, they believe that they have to create content. They believe it. And typically when you're thinking about content, it's not like you don't always think about the channel first. The channel comes later. The first thing you have to focus on is the story, how you're going to capture it. And then you think about distribution. Podcasting should be considered more of a distribution place because you have to create audio in today's world of content consumption. You have to still create written content. You have to create video. Podcasting is just another distribution channel for that content that you're creating. And if you think about it, I started this business probably, what, what was it, six years ago? When I started the business, there were less than a million podcasts out in the world. And I was still getting that question of it's already oversaturated. There were less than a million. Now that number is, I'd have to double check, but I'm, I'm, I'm a, it's over 7 million now. Like I know that it might be even closer to 10 at this point, but there are 600 million blogs, 600 million blogs. And you do not hear people ask that question. Should I start a blog? It's already saturated. Nobody asks that. You know why? Because they think their blog is part of their own media strategy, their own media content strategy. Audio is, is the same thing. You have to treat it the same way. And it is the way, it's the only medium, the only medium in the world that you're not asking people to stare at a screen to consume it. So all, yeah, all brands, all marketers have to think about what their audio strategy is. I love that. In thinking less about podcasting and more about what's our audio content strategy. And this is one channel uh, to be able to do that. And I know at scale is one of those buzzwords that I think has been banished a few times, but it is a way to get that audio in a scalable way. Cause you think about how many, you know, sound bites come from a 30 minute podcast that can be repurposed. A hundred percent. I always think about podcasting is like podcasting is like the Swiss army knife of marketing. Um, that's actually why I got into podcasting because I started doing it with a, with a company and I was like, holy cow, like there's so much impact that you can do with this one piece of long form content. And I just went all in on it. I love that. Um, and so I, I want to shift a little bit because that's talking about one of the common problems. Um, what other challenges? Like I always like to start with the bad stuff and then get to the good stuff. So what are the other challenges or roadblocks or, you know, bad mindsets, like what are all the things that you see that are, you know, why people struggle with this? Well, it comes back to our buzzword, downloads. 
Um, because a lot of the times it's, it's the, it's the exact thing you said. We've got two objections. Typically everyone already has a podcast. So why should I do it? Well, we've already talked about that. <laughs> like the second one is, well, I don't, how do I know if it's successful? I want, I want downloads. I want downloads because that's the tangible thing that makes me feel like this is the right thing for our brand. And that's just not the right way to be thinking about it. Um, so what we really focus with our clients on is engagement. How is this podcast? How is this content driving engagement with an existing audience. And the way that we measure engagement or determine what that is, is really in collaboration with the client. So we ask them, what is a valuable interaction to you? Help us define that. The valuable interaction could be a repost on LinkedIn. A valuable interaction could be, honestly, a conversation as a guest. A valuable interaction could be that subscribe number, like that follow button number, um, an email address. You get the idea. Um, a community post, you know what I mean? Uh, and then we shape the design of the show strategically to help to drive towards that valuable interaction. And then a download is just an indicator of how much of our existing audience is adapting this new medium for us. So the way you can come up with that number is you go, um, it's really, really simple if you're focusing on internal audience, like that is just easy. But I imagine that this, this with your show, the audience is thinking more external and how do I get more brand awareness, more brand engagement, et cetera. Um, and so I would challenge you to say, go look at your own lists. How many people are on those lists? That could be your followers on LinkedIn. And those could be your thought leader followers within the company, your brand influencers. Um, and let's tally up those numbers. How many people? That is your that's your new TAM for this podcast. That's your new total addressable <laughs> market. You want as many of those people to convert to this new channel that you're standing up, which is your podcast. It's not how do I get the world to find my podcast? It's how do I get my audience that already knows me to like me a little bit more and trust me deeper by consuming this audio content? Interesting. So in thinking about podcasting, I do know just from conversations with other podcasters that for many, the goal is to broaden the audience. So essentially the reverse of what you're saying is to get people who don't already know you to know you. So to increase that number of you know people on your lists or subscribers or followers, et cetera. But what I'm hearing is your recommendation is the inverse in getting those that already know you engaging with you on the podcast. That's exactly right. I think the secondary benefit is, yeah, it might broaden your audience. It's going to broaden your reach if you're creating content worthy of sharing. You know what I mean? People will find you. But I think that I think B2B has, uh, has done something recently that, I, that I'm not sure why. Um, if you think about it, B2B exists to serve a very specific niche of people. And for some reason, we feel this pressure to go serve the masses and to get all these people to engage with our, our content and to, and to show up differently. And I don't, I don't buy into that. I'm like, you only have a certain amount of people that you can serve. So go serve them well. And by the way, you already have access to those people. You already know them. So go serve them. And your, your metrics of success around your podcast should not be how many downloads am I getting based on the entire world? But how many downloads am I getting based on who I know I serve today? And how much time are they spending with my brand because of the show that I have? So if you think about it, you can create all the content in the world. Somebody could read your email or spend 30 seconds watching a, a TikTok reel or, or an Instagram reel, whatever. Um, but if they spend an hour with you 
once a week or once a month, that's way more valuable than then just scrolling through their phone, seeing some content that might show up. So that's why I focus on that. And I say, look, you have people who like you. Now it's your job to make sure that they know you and that they can trust you. That's what audio content can do for you. Okay. So what, so if you are talking to a company who needs to expand their reach, so within their niche of B2B buyers that they can serve, where do you put podcasting in the mix? Do you leverage other channels to broaden the audience and then solely use podcasting for enriching that relationship? Or is there an opportunity in podcasting to help it also drive that reach within the niche? Yeah, so I think it's it, absolutely, it's an and scenario. The, the, the thing that I challenge people to do is anchor, anchor their, 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 their decisions um, and then design the show that's gonna help support that very specifically. And so to your point, the way I think about it is you're serving a very specific audience. So let's create content to serve that existing audience. The best way to know what they want is by asking the people you already serve right? Like, like they, your customer's voice is the voice that differentiates you from everyone. So you might want to capture it and understand what they want. If you serve them well, then they will share with other people and other people that are like them will find them. You see what I mean? And so it feels like it's the opposite of control, which is what so many of us are wired to do. We're like, we have to control things so that we can reach our outcomes. And what I'm saying is if you just focus on telling an amazing story, having a great conversation, creating a deeper connection, it will come. And yes, you have to be strategic about the way that you distribute it. But that's when you look at things like YouTube. That's a very beautiful searchable engine <laughs> that people can <laughs> find you. Um, you can use LinkedIn. You can use all these channels at our disposal. You can find partnerships to help share your show and broaden your reach. But your strategy should focus first on serving that existing audience well and then distribution becomes your strategic like execution, if you will, to make sure that you're broadening that reach. And I love that distinction around anchoring the show on your audience. And I think that is where I see the mindset getting muddied. Because if we think about it, you know, in B2B as marketers, our resources are limited, you know, at different times, they're more limited than not. And so we always have to tie anything that we're doing back to business metrics. And so that is why I think that connection is normally made of if we're going to make this huge effort in podcasting, it's got to connect to this. You know, we got to go A to Z. But I love that what you're saying is you can get to Z, but you don't focus on Z. Like we focus on anchoring ourselves here with those that we know and that that will ultimately get us that broader reach. Well, there's a, there's a few there's a few things here too that I think help shape this narrative differently. One is we live in a time than never before where your product, your service, anything you say can be repeated and copied from somebody else. Everything you do. What cannot be copied is your story. That cannot be copied. And so what podcasting does, what audio does, what video does, it allows you to capture that story in a way that allows you to connect with your end buyer on a deeper, more intimate level. And then your, your, your 
grabbing that and using it so that people are like infiltrated with that story and they understand who you are. Because at the end of the day, that's what people are going to be buying. They, they're buying who you are. And then it, it's awesome that your service and your product can support them and what they're trying to accomplish. Right. So that like has to be said. Right. Um, and then, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I'm like, on no, my- go ahead and finish. Cause I was going to ask a, a, a <laughs> dig deeper on something you said, but I'll come back to it. Okay. And then um, what, where I challenge people is I say, instead of saying um, that this is a, this is only a top of a funnel activity, meaning people are going to find me because of my show, which I do not believe is true. Like, I do not believe people find you because of your show. Once they find you, they learn about your show and then engage with you further. And nobody go- wants to go into a boardroom and say, We're, we should do our podcast because it generates downloads. I would be like, who cares about a download? What you actually want to do is say, We're, we can sell more to our existing client. They're, they're, we, I'm showing you that upsells are going up. I'm showing you that, that I can at cross-functionally sell better because I understand what they need more. I'm showing you that our relationships are stickier. I'm showing you that we're finding um, deals that were cold now becoming warm because they're hearing who we are in the show. And I've been able to engage with them on a deeper level because I understand them better. Those are the stories that help create revenue opportunities for companies. And all of marketing's job, all of sales job is to generate revenue. Okay. So the question that I want to ask that is an objection that I hear quite often is that when brands approach podcasting with the intent of being able to tell their brand story, which is, you know, the general advice that a lot of companies go into it, creating something that is very self-serving in that, you know, they've got a message and they want to get that message out. And that it's just almost inauthentic or uninteresting. Like, you know, it's not received as well. And I have definitely listened to some of those where it's like a sales pitch disguised as a conversation. And so how do you, you know, if someone is considering this, they want the ultimate goal of being able to tell the brand story and lead to those revenue opportunities. What advice do you have in in how you can, you know, and I like the title of our episode, cultivating that brand love, but in an authentic way that is self-serving, but not (laughs) self-serving. No, Zig Ziglar says this, and I hope I don't butcher it too bad. But when you tell other people what, if you can help other people get what they want, you get what you want. And so you have to apply that to actually like storytelling and telling your brand story. So what I mean by that is like, you literally do not make it about yourself. You cannot make it about yourself. It is going to be about you inherently because you are the one facilitating the conversation. Um, in our world, we say we work with strategic, we have strategic producers on our team because a producer understands who you are and what you want, but they can see the story you cannot. And so what I would challenge people to do is like, you don't have to find an agency like mine, but you do need to have somebody internally who can think like a content, like creator and a producer and pull the story from you. And what I've seen people mess up with is they get a host or they get a talent in there that, that is running the show that hangs on too tightly to the message. And that's when you run into that issue, Brandy, of them going like def- like kind of defaulting back into their um, their talk track of this is what we do, why we do it, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you got to cut that. And it takes like, it actually takes maturity 
to just like trust the process. But if you have the right guests on, if you have the right premise in mind, if you have all of those like ingredients designed, then you will get the, the outcome that you want. And you just hit on another uh, challenge that I, you know, hear from people all the time, you know, when I'm like, when people ask me about should they do a podcast, you know, generally my answer is always yes. You know, there's been great benefit. And, you know, much like you were saying, like, we definitely don't focus on the downloads. Occasionally, I'll have guests that, you know, are considering being a guest and they'll ask me for the numbers. And I'm like, if that's what you're looking for, this ain't the right podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not getting ready to get you in front of 10,000 people. Like, that's just, you know, it'd be great if we got there one day, but it, it's not even a goal because, you know, that's just, we play in a small space. And so, you know, the feedback that I get and they're like, yeah, but okay, if I do it, who's going to be the host? Mm -hmm. And they default to like, oh, you've got a big personality. Like you're a natural at this. Like, that's great. I'm not that person. I don't know who that person in my organization would be. Like, how do we do this effectively? How do we choose a host? Like, what are your thoughts there? Because I know, you know, in B2B, it's, someone that's representing the company. So how does that fit? Yeah, there, there's a couple ways you can tackle this. So one is not all podcasts have to be an interview style show. So um, typically I recommend an interview style show for people who are looking to strengthen and build relationships. I'm like, that's a no brainer. Um, now that doesn't mean that there's not another use case for why you should have a um, interview show. But I'm, I, I am saying like people immediately default podcast equals interview. And that doesn't have to be true. Um, the second thing that I've seen happen really successfully is in the B2B space, if they are looking to use podcasting as a way to um, level up their own expertise and credibility, but they don't have anyone internally that they feel like has the capacity or, you know, the personality to drive um, a show as a host, they can find um, experts out in the marketplace and they can have those people be the hosts. And one of the things that makes that so exceptional is that it comes off as like to our point earlier, it's less about the company and it's more about the content because somebody else is representing it. Um, and so it becomes more of a, a, a shift in how they think about how that content gets created. But I've seen that work very well for breaking down barriers to getting in front of companies that they wouldn't have gotten in front of anyway if they led with their own logo. Um, so that's one avenue you can go. Um, the other thing I think people don't think about is like, just ask, like, just ask internally, like run a casting call internally and see who wants to do it. Um, I think a lot of times what brands are, are scared to do is give um, their people access to a mic because they're like, well, what if they say something? What if they do something that we don't agree with or don't like? And in reality, that's a hiring problem because if they're working for your company, then they should be aligned to your core values. And if they're aligned to your core values, you shouldn't be too concerned about what they do on a mic. Um, now, and again, if you're, if you are concerned and you, we do have to be cognizant about the content we put out because that represents our brands, have it edited. You know what I mean? Like review yeah. the content, you, you can edit it. Um, so those are the things that I would push back on, on that. Um, the biggest, the biggest challenge to that, it, it's, it's time more than anything. And it's the prioritization of that time. And again, I push back on that and say, Podcasting is a Swiss army knife of marketing. You have to create this content anyway. Do it at scale by capturing it in audio, in video, turning that into written. I mean, you know the whole thing. Yes. 
And what about turnover? Because that's the other component. You know, like for us, I've been with Tegra eight years. I'm in leadership. You know, I plan to retire from here. The likelihood of me going anywhere is small. So it's low risk for the company. Larger entities, that is not the case. And I know that that is a worry. And I have seen scenarios. One of the podcasts I loved essentially died because the CMO left and they never put anybody else in the host. And so it's like all you have is the old content. How do you recommend people handle that when your host leaves the company? Well, there's a couple ways you can handle it. Um, one is some people like side hustles, by the way. So it's like <laughs> if, if they're leaving on good standing and you still you know, respect each other and you still appreciate their brand, assuming they're not going to a competitor, um, see if they want to stay on and continue to host the show. There's no reason that that has to change. Um, the other thing that you can do is you can, you can have co-hosts. And so that gives you, you know, kind of like reduces your risk. You know what I mean? Um, we've had a, a show turnover a couple times, um, either due to shifting priorities, meaning the host needed to, to shift her priority or um, somebody left. We've had that happen multiple times and yet the show continues to grow because just like any show that you would watch on a Saturday morning or Saturday night, if a main character changes, they typically will introduce a new one so that you fall in love and you stay around for the content and the storyline and all that kind of stuff. It's the same thing. Um, you just have to communicate. You have you might have to position things a little bit differently to highlight this person's gift versus another. But if you do it with intention, it can be completely done without actually harming. And sometimes there's an upside because it's a new host that has a new influence, that has a new network, et cetera, et cetera. I love that because, yeah, that is one of the biggest worries that I have seen. You know, people are like, oh, OK, even if we do pick a host, if they leave or, you know, all those sorts of things. So we talked a lot about the challenges. I want to talk about the upside. So for companies that opt to do this and do this right, like what's the, the positive? What's the power behind doing this? What's the real return? There's so many. There's so much return. Um it's, it is one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I, had, I mean, I had no idea the impact that this could have on a human level and creating this deep human connection. Um, and it's all being done through brands. And it's just, it's wildly powerful. Um, I mean, I can point to story after story where people have sent in messages to our hosts of them literally sobbing and crying because they're like, I, you hear me, you see me, I, I, you, you get me, you understand me. Um, we've seen people's dreams come true. And I mean, we've had clients who were hosts of a show and they were able to use a show to create a book, um, to, to craft their keynote, um, just like getting their, their voice and being able to articulate it in a way that really helps create impact for their lives has been extremely rewarding. But on the business side of things, um, I can point to one story that happened recently where the client, they acquired a company that had, the company had a podcast. They saw that as an asset and they revitalized that podcast. And they were like, let's leverage this as an opportunity to, um, introduce who we are as the company that has acquired it, but also like showcase our expertise. And so we designed um, one of the segments on the show to be sort of this consulting on the go kind of deal. The very first episode that launched secured them a six figure deal because wow. they, had, they had had a, a, a prospect go cold. That prospect listened to that podcast and was like, okay, you guys are who I need. And they signed a deal. So it, it, it like literally lets people 
hear you in a way that just showcases like your genius. And the only way people can hear you is if you create it. Um, and so we've seen that happen. We've seen just the time spent with brand being become deepened because of the time that they have access to via the, the podcast and things like that. Um, the stories are never ending, but that, that, um, revenue one is a, is, a, is just such an easy illustrative one to showcase how this really does make an impact. Yeah. And I think you hit on a really good point, especially in B2B with large dollar value purchases. There is a component to the sales process that leaves a buyer almost feeling like that hesitation of, am I making the right decision? Like, especially when it comes, you know, I'm thinking about software purchases that I've been a part of, you know, it's like you get the demos, you have all the questions, but there is still like this back of mind nagging feeling of, is this going to be the right thing? And I do agree that it is those stories and being able to hear some of the use cases or, you know, hear people talk about, you know, whatever fits in that space that does give you that peace of mind and connection of like, okay, yeah, this is, you know, this is the right thing. This is a good place to spend my money. Um, good people to be able to work with, uh, all those sorts of things. So I definitely see that. Um, and I love being able to like reposition it. Cause I do see some people that are like, well, how much money are we making from the podcast? And it's like, that's not how that works. Like, right. you know, unless you're selling advertising during your podcast, like there, there's not, you know, that direct line. Um, but I'm just kind of thinking out loud. So summarize for me your overall advice. You know, we talked about wanting to make sure that people walk away from this understanding how to do this well. And so, you know, help to paint that picture for our listeners around what is doing it well look like um, in a B2B environment? Yeah. So um, the first thing I'll say is, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Every business is a human story. Every business is a human story. And it's your job, if you're heading up sales and marketing, it is your job to make sure that, that you're communicating that story in a way that helps drive outcomes for the business. And so if you're thinking about launching a podcast or standing up any content program, you have to attach it to a specific outcome. And I've essentially identified three outcomes that make sense for any brand. Um, and so I'll say those three, and I would challenge your, your listeners to pick one because all of them are at play, but you can pick one that helps sort of win the day um, in terms of the priority you have. So I would say one outcome would be, I want to start a podcast because I want to add value and engage an existing audience. Another outcome could be, well, I want to start a podcast because I want to strengthen and build new relationships. Or... I want to launch a podcast because I want to compete for, uh, for brands and I want to compete for talent. And I would choose which one of those you want to attach the success of your show to. And then, I mean, our proven process is, any, is the process anyone else could copy. And what I mean by that is like, once you've chosen your outcome, I would start with strategy. Focus on the strategic direction of the show with that outcome in mind. And that strategy needs to comprise of who are we serving, what do they care about? Um, and then do a content audit. Like what has worked well in the past for this audience? What has not worked well in the past? 
um, ask people questions. They will give you the answers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, take the time to do that. And then we go into what I would say is step two, which again, everyone can uh, copy this. You go into development. So strategy is your opportunity to sort of define the outcome, define success, define the audience, et cetera. And then development is your opportunity to turn your hypothesis into something that comes to life. And so development is like a pilot episode or it's a trailer. Um, it's putting the, the show name together, the positioning, all that kind of stuff. And then you see how it sounds, you see how it feels. And once that, once it's doing what you think it's going to do, then you go into the production phase, which is I'm going to do several of these. I'm going to commit to a season or I'm going to commit to six months or I'm going to whatever. Um, and then from there you go to review. Am I achieving the outcomes I set out to achieve? Am I finding, am I uncovering different outcomes that I didn't know would happen, which happens all the time? Um, what are the metrics telling me? Not the metrics of success, but the metrics of performance. And that's where metrics of performance can be things like downloads can be things like how much of an episode did they listen to? That tells us if we're hitting, hitting the mark editorially, but it does not define success of what this effort is. Um, and then I would take, after review, I would start the process again. You know what I mean? I would revisit the strategy. I would make sure I don't need to edit anything. Then I'd go back into looking at my development plan and say, do I need to edit anything here? Great, let's get back into production. Um, and the last thing I'll say before I <laughs> shut up is, um, the thing that I think people also get confused about is like, if I start a podcast, I can't ever stop a podcast. And that's not true either. You can actually just do a podcast on your company story. Just tell your brand story, your noble why, your origin, the impact you make through story. Like you can just do that. And then you have developed an audio thing that can help serve. You know what I mean? You can just do a season. You can just do a series. Like if you look at some of the largest shows out there that are designed for the consumer audience, they're a, it's a season and done. And nobody balks at that. It's fine. It's just like, what story are you trying to tell right now and why? And this is how you can use audio. It's really interesting because I do think the mindset is very much that once we start it, it can never stop. And that if it stops, like that's a poor reflection on, you know, the team or the performance, et cetera. But that is a really great, because there are a, a number of podcasts, there'll be a season and then there's like nothing for six, eight, 12 months. And then here comes another season. And then you go back to listening to it. Um, so I, I think that is like the foundation of what you're saying is, or what I'm hearing is take out all the crap that you've heard about what you should be doing and just think about what it needs to be for your organization and do it there. Yes. And, and the reason that people think that way, Brandy, is because of the way we started the whole conversation is that because downloads are the metric of success and they're thinking this is my channel to build an audience and broaden my audience. And it's like, sure, then you can't stop because if you stop, you will lose the momentum you gain with your audience. Yes, you're right. But if you think about this differently, and say I'm serving an existing audience and I'm going to use distribution to help broaden my reach, right? And to capture net new, then it changes the game. I, I love that. Um, and talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework, but here at Revenue Rehab, I like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. So for those that are listening that what you're saying around the power of podcasting is really resonating with them. 
Give us your one thing. What is our next action item if we're considering whether podcasting is right for our brand? Pick the outcome. And you can use my my three if you want to choose. Um, but I would pick the outcome. Okay, so there is our action. I always love our one thing. Uh, I am also going to go back and make sure that we reevaluate what outcome we defined when we started this show. It's like hard to believe I'm over a year in at this point. Uh, I know when I started Revenue Rehab, it was like, I don't know if we can do this every week. We'll see how it pans out. And now it's been over a year. I think we're at episode 60 something. Uh, and it's like, wow, like we're actually doing it. So it is, I think we are at that point of now re-looking. So I'm going to take the action item as well. Um, and Rachel, I have enjoyed our discussion so much, but that's our time for today. But before we go, how can people stay connected with you and give us the shameless plug for Share Your Genius? If someone is, you know, really feeling what you're saying and, and wants to have support in moving down this journey. Um, tell us about what you do and how we can connect. Yeah. Um, the best way to get in touch with me is LinkedIn. Uh, and so it's Rachel Elts Downey, E-L-S-T-S. I always throw that in there because there's about a million Rachel Downeys in the world. Um, so you can find me that way. And honestly, this conversation highlights what we do. This is how we work with our clients. And then, of course, we are full end-to-end uh, -end services. So whatever works for your brand is where we fit in. So um, if you're interested in having more conversations around the power of podcasting, that's how you can find me. Awesome. And we will make sure to link to your LinkedIn as well as the Share Your Genius website. So wherever you are watching or listening to this podcast, check the show notes so that you can connect with Rachel. Rachel, thank you so, so much for joining me. I have learned some things that I'm definitely going to implement on our end. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed the conversation as well. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on. And I will tell you, you are an exceptional host. Well, thank you. I, I always appreciate the feedback. This is so much fun for me. Um, and I get to talk to such amazing people. Uh, well, thanks everyone for joining us today. I hope that you have enjoyed my conversation with Rachel. I will see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.